RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. If you're within the sound of my voice, then that must mean it's Tuesday. At least it is while I'm making this sound with my voice because it is Mission Log Live. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. Each week on Mission Log Live, you take the wheel. Well, I mean, we, we put the car on the road and we have a map of some sort and we've got some pre-selected stations on the radio, but, but you get to sit behind the wheel and, and get the view from up front. That means that you get to call in, you get to ask questions, you get to chime in. Very easy for you to do that. You can click on the link to join our Zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can even call us the old-fashioned way. Sarah at the Mayberry Exchange will patch you in. Dial us up at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code you'll find in the show description and the comments. Thank you to everyone who is joining us as it happens. Now, if you're catching the show later, uh, either watching the video on Facebook or on YouTube at youtube.com slash Roddenberry Prod, uh, we do appreciate you doing that. Uh, we do also put the audio of this show in its very own podcast feed. So you can find us on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. And speaking of fine podcasts, we would love it if you could also head over to podcast.roddenberry.com. There you'll find links to all of our shows, Mission Log, Mission Log Live, The Trek Files, Women at Warp, and, of course, Priority One. And, uh, and, and as long as you're here, uh, if you would, if you, if you hear anything, I'd almost be surprised tonight. <laughs> but if you hear anything that you like, uh, please feel free to hit like, hit share, because we would love for more people to come over here and share and like and do all that fun stuff. And by the way, people are already joining the live cast. Very glad to see some familiar faces and familiar names. We have Carlos. We have Brett. We have Chuck. Paul Wright says, hi, Ken and John, my favorite time of the week. Very nice of you to say that. Brett Dean says, you guys are in the offices a couple of feet away from each other again. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we are. Not a couple of feet. Uh, It's probably about 20 feet. A couple of walls between us. We have to keep ourselves separated, uh, you know, professionally speaking. (laughs) I've actually... Don't fight. (laughs) There is actually a locked door between me and John. I won't say why there's a locked door between me and John, but it is actually true. There is actually one of those for some reason. It is true. So hi to everybody. Hi, Todd. Hi, Meredith. Hi, Carlos. Hi, Lisa. Nice to see everybody there. So we will meet our special guest, three of them tonight. So if you have questions about Star Trek online, about Star Trek gaming in general, or just Star Trek in general, Now is the time to call in and be ready. Our technical director, Brandon, will patch you in and get you all set up to chat with us in a minute. Click that Zoom link or call 669-900-6833. Now, as we do every week, we like to kick things off with a poll. We like to ask you some questions so we can find out kind of where you stand. Uh, Last week, we posted the question asking you what you watch Star Trek for. So I watch Star Trek for entertainment or for inspiration. 62% of you said entertainment, 38% of you said inspiration, and a whole lot of comments about how this was an unfair question. (laughs) You're welcome. Alan Perry says, I would say more aspiration than inspiration. I think that's fair, Ken. Hmm. You and I knew going into this that uh, it was maybe a little bit of an unfair question because we can always have both. But uh, yes. I was interested in an in-the-moment reaction. Like if I just wanted to pop in some Star Trek in the Blu-ray player or, or stream some from Netflix maybe, why would I be watching it? Would it be purely for the entertainment value or, or do we think I'm going into it getting a message? Yeah, well, I mean, that's a really interesting question, right? Because, I mean, there are all kinds of shows that we watch and they're entertaining and then they're done. And then there are other shows that maybe carry a little bit more with them. I mean, heck, that's the whole point of what we do on Mission Log. So, I mean, yes, you want it to be entertaining, but, you know, maybe some people are watching it. But like you and I have talked about a number of episodes like Times Squared or The Corbin Might Maneuver or, you know, some that, that bring more than just the entertainment value. So, yeah, maybe it's an unfair question because it's not binary. It's sort of, if you're entertained, is that the most important thing or the inspiration? But, hey, you know what? We're really going over a question that we stopped taking answers for earlier today. We should talk about the the question, actually, for this week because we have a big, fun, game-filled episode of today's show. 
So the question that we're asking this week, is gaming part of your Star Trek fandom? Now, we're going to be talking a lot about Star Trek Online, but there are all kinds of games out there from uh, tabletop games to older video games to uh, games for your mobile phone. So in any of that, is gaming part of your Star Trek fandom? Currently, the answers are yes, 40%, no, 60%. So, um yeah, we'd be curious to know what your answers are. And maybe later in the call in the show, excuse me, you can call in and say what games actually do it for you. So the poll question, is gaming part of your Star Trek fandom? Please get your votes in because they matter. Ken, I'm glad that we chose that question because I, I actually, I fall into that 60% of no. And, and it's not because I'm... Not because I'm opposed to gaming at all. It's just not a thing that's really on my radar. It's one reason I'm excited to have the guests that we have tonight so they can kind of set me straight and understand the world of Star Trek gaming. Um, And I know that before we get to them, I, I, I want to walk down memory lane a little bit about some Star Trek games of the past. So then you will know where I'm coming from, and uh, our guests will know where we're coming from as well. But hey, uh, before we do that, how about a little business? Uh, Just a tiny bit of business. Um, Before we get to your calls, we have to remind you about our new shop. If you go to missionlogpodcast.com and click on, well, cleverly titled shop, is the link that you want to click on. That's where you'll be linked over to our store where Carl Huber has just been cranking out some fantastic designs. Uh, Ken, why don't you tell us what kind of fantastic designs Carl's been doing for us? Well, there's the You See Timmy shirt with the uh, caption bonk bonk on the head since 1966. There's, of course, the Nova Squadron shirt. There's the Ditalics Mining Corporation shirt. That is my personal favorite. Uh, Carl, by the way, so you can look at our shop and we would love it if you did, but you can also link to some other stuff that Carl's done. Big time gaming person. So there's lots of stuff. I think it's D20 is the name of his shirts uh, shop. Uh, So if you are a gamer, actually, you can check out some of Carl's other stuff too. But, you know, we've got Ethos Pathos logos. We've got all the things that we've had uh, as part of Mission Log, golly, almost since the show started. It's not just shirts. There are also stickers. There are also journals. There's all kinds of stuff there that you can check out. Yeah, so those designs, again, are at missionlogpodcast.com. Just click on shop. Um, And it's not just for T-shirts. It's mugs, stickers, notebooks, tapestries, just tons of stuff for you to check out and make your own truly unique Trek gear, Trek-ish gear. Get yours today at missionlogpodcast.com. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm looking at the chat again and uh, some very important questions that we need to get to here. Uh, Chrissy says, is that suit jacket purple? Well, no, it's not, Chrissy. It's kind of more of a dark red, maybe a little bit of a purple thread. Though I assume you're talking about mine. Uh, that, that would be mine tonight. Uh, the lighting here would keep a little dim, a little colorful. Uh, Ken, uh, maybe she's talking about yours. Yours is more of, uh, more of a brown right now, but over a purple shirt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We didn't well, coordinate that at all. Um, it's because- not a purple shirt, actually. Maybe it's the good lighting in here. Oh, okay. It's it's kind of red said, or something, but I'm flush. Said you so had the, uh, you, you have the Moonbase Alpha lighting in there, uh, which yeah, I, you know, actually, I agree. So with. I was sitting here earlier today, thinking to myself, where do you think they came up with the idea for the film The White Room? Mm, just right there. Yeah, just right there. <clears throat> could somebody could, said could well that, have been uh, right here in your room? All of your teeny tiny spaceships are just pure white. So they just, they just play. They Actually, just, they're normal color. They just all have their cloaking devices on. That's boom, thing. which somebody else mentioned in the chat. So oh, did they really? Yes. Nicely done. Nicely done. Because I'm doing good. that thing where I can't see the chat. Hey, uh, so we're really happy to have uh, a fellow podcaster on the show with us tonight. Yes. 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 Uh, <laughs> would you like to go ahead and tell people who will be joining us, that fellow podcaster? No, I'm going to. I'm actually going to try one more time to clear my throat. Would you please do that, John? I'll be glad to. All right. We'd like to Thank welcome you. first our friend Elijah. He is a, a co-host and uh, co-producer of Priority One Podcast, which you can find right here on the uh, Roddenberry Podcast Network at podcast.roddenberry.com, or you can go to them directly at priorityonepodcast.com. Now, Elijah, you may have heard us talk about before. You may have heard him on uh, one of our supplemental shows before, and we have been guests on Priority One before. 
He's here for a good reason tonight, because tonight we're talking about gaming. And Elijah, that's one of the reasons that Priority One started. So give us your background really quickly there in Star Trek gaming and how that influenced Priority One. Um, well, first I have to say that I, too, oh, look, I, I, I'm in a Ooh. jacket too now. Oh, oh nice. Nice. And some devil joining us. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm really hot. I'm taking it off. <laughs> um, so first of all, thank you for having me tonight. Um, it's always a pleasure talking with you guys and, and, uh, thank you for the plug. Um, so Star Trek gaming, um, you know, it, it's, I think back to, um, when I was a kid and actually the first Star Trek game that I bought was actually a Star Wars game accidental it was shadows of the empire for nintendo 64 i was young i was dumb i still couldn't really differentiate i wasn't sure what was what i was just excited i was like mom can i get a new video game and that was the one i accidentally got and boy was i confused um playing that game realizing that it had nothing to do with star trek but um as you know as the years progressed and my passions for star trek developed you know i started to dabble in more and more um especially with uh first person shooters i was a big elite force you know I, i enjoyed elite force very much um the thing about star trek gaming um is that it's 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 huge, right? It, there, there have been so many titles and so many genres um, that we can talk about it for hours. Um, really, the game that, that, took, that took over my life over the last seven years really has been Star Trek Online. Um, and it's, it, it's just, in comparison to some of these other games, it's just phenomenal. It tells such a great story. Um, but... To answer your question a little further, we then decided, you know, with Star Trek Online launching, Priority One decided it wanted to, uh, a group of players wanted to get together and talk about it. Not just Star Trek Online, but any other game and, and general Star Trek news that happened around the time um, with a primary focus in, in Star Trek Online. Okay, were you kidding or were you serious that you thought when you bought Shadows of the Empire that you were actually buying a Star Trek I, game? You're I'm kidding, not, right? I'm not lying. I was like, a, I was, I don't know, I was 11, 12 at the time. I had, I was watching TNG on UPN, like staying up late. I didn't, I, I, I still hadn't embraced the Trekdom and I was still young and, and again, dumb. And so when I went, I knew it was Star. I was like, Star, man, oh, I want a video game that I can play Star Trek. I want to play what I was watching. Um, and I bought Shadows of the Empire, and it was terrible. I never, I hated that game. So wait, were you were you also a Star Wars fan, or no, was it just no. that Star Trek was on every night? Really? Yeah. No, yeah, that, I mean you're you're blowing fan. my mind right now. Seriously, I was not a Star Wars fan. No, I was not a Star Wars fan. It just it was an accidental purchase. I played the game very confused. <laughs> Nothing from what I was watching on television at the time. Yeah, that's true. Especially because Shadows of the Empire, I think, is a fairly dark thing. But whatever. Okay, so I'm curious then. At that young age, are you getting sort of like the bigger messages of Star Trek, or is it just it's on TV? I have TV. This is science fiction. Because I guess I'm wondering, like, okay, what is it about? I mean, first of all, you don't think about TNG as being a show for an 11-year-old necessarily. So what is it about that that appealed to you, first of all? And then why do you want to play, you know, all the way back from when you're 11 or 12, you bought the wrong game. Why do you want to play in that universe? You know, um, I, TNG, right, was heavy and, and heavy for, for a preteen and going into a teenager. But um, there was something about it. Um, that I understood there was a, a peacefulness that I understood that perhaps growing up, especially in, in, uh, in a pretty much a suburb of New York where everything is just kind of going 800 miles an hour. Um, there was, it was a, a peacefulness to, to TNG. So, you know, I felt that it was a, a bit of an escape. And then on top of that, um, I, I also enjoyed performing. I was already performing at that time locally, like in churches and, 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 and grammar school. Um, and so I'm watching an actor like Brent Spiner and, Ga- and uh, Gates McFadden start tap dancing, which is something that I did. I was like, I, I tap dance too. This is awesome. Um, so it was, it was a bit of a, of living, living through them as an actor, a young actor. Um, and then also really into the science fiction, really believing that, 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 Things are going to be okay. Um, and when I had my Nintendo 64, 
um, you know, I had the typical games that you have with a Nintendo 64, the Nintendo games, but I knew that I knew that Star Trek was big enough because I had gone to Toys R Us, rest in peace. Um, and I had seen titles. I had seen titles um, for both Star Trek and Star Wars. But again, I was still young and confused about the difference between what really the difference between the two franchises, just in name is really what it was. Um, and you, you figured that and, out in the last year uh, or so. Right. Uh, wait, isn't this Star Trek? Right. <laughs> never give up, valid. never surrender. That's Pretty the that's solid. the line, right? That's the line. Uh, By the way, actually, uh, Thomas Martin in our uh, chat says definitely seems like something I would have done as a kid. So you're not alone. Good, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I'm glad. I I I tell that story without being afraid because I know that, especially as a young Trekkie, I was the only one in my family. I was the only one in my family that 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 liked Star Star Trek. Um, but and but to go on and answer your question, um, I wanted to to live. I wanted to start living in that that uh, story. I wanted to start experiencing stories on my own that I was already doing with video games. You know, I was already living a story in video games. Why can't Why can't I keep doing that with Star Trek? I want to be able to continue playing Star Trek or be in Star Trek when the show's not on syndication at you know whatever time at night. So then flash forward 20 years, I mean, you're old enough to go out and get a drink now if you want to. You can go outside. You can go wherever. Right, right. And I'm not saying, I mean, look, I play video games as well, some, not much, and I don't have nearly as much time as I want to. But what is it that, I mean, like, like all these years later, we have so much more Star Trek now. You've actually watched a Star Wars movie or two. <laughs> what is it that still brings you into, uh, into, that, uh, into that area of uh, fandom? I mean, to be to be honest with you, I just think that Star Trek is so much richer in terms of its storytelling, in term in terms of its exploration of uh, morality, um, the human condition told through the eyes of you know whatever whatever forehead makeup was for that week. Um, I think that's because it's fifty years and hundreds of episodes. We have Star Trek has been able to uh, handle, approach, and and speak to things that cannot be done in a one or two hour movie alone. Now, Star Wars over the course of the last several years has been able to expand on that with the the animated series. I haven't been able, I haven't had the opportunity of watching it, but I, but but we're talking about fifty years of content. And that's not, let's, you know, that's not even talking about the books, the non-canonical stuff. Um, even the animated series, even the animated series kind of, you know, started, starts going into that. I mean, yeah, it's for kids, but, but uh, even then it still kind of takes, it, it talks, it talks to the humanity. And so I want to live that. And so now that I'm older, I can go out and drink and buy the video game that I want to buy that allows me <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying you have to do both at the same time uh, no 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 um that allows me to live in that universe to really live in that universe and really experience it and uh, honestly of all the games that i've had the opportunity of playing uh well you know, i'm sure we have two guests who who develop for the game uh star trek online has been the ongoing the ongoing story since nemesis well, I think that's a perfectly good segue to bring in our two additional guests. Uh, so we are very pleased tonight to be joined by a couple of uh, developers and designers who work for Cryptic Studios on Star Trek Online. So uh, those two people who are joining us, we have Thomas Moroni and we have Nick DeGood. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that uh, we don't have our, uh, our lower thirds tonight that we normally would have to, uh, to show people your titles and links and all that good stuff. So I will just allow you both to introduce yourselves, tell us what you do. So, uh, Thomas, let's kick it over to you first. Are you there, sir? Uh, yeah. Uh, everything working okay? Yeah. Sound yeah, okay. good. You look good. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> all right. My name is Thomas Maroney. I am the lead uh, Starship artist and UI artist for Star Trek Online. That means I wear a couple hats. Um, I make the 3D models of the spaceships that you see in the game, and I also sort of manage our um, uh, UI for the game, so icons, user interfaces, things like that. Cool. And then uh, we've also got Nick with us. Nick, uh, go ahead and say hello. Hello. 
Although I think it shows the wrong video, but <laughs> we can hear you though. All right. Yeah. Um, I've been working on Cryptic for about 13 years. Sorry, I have echo from the uh, mic. Um, and I've been working on Stow for six years, something like that. Nice. Uh, I'm an environment artist, so I do all the back. Sorry, the backgrounds and the levels and such. Okay, good. Uh, planets and, and that, that kind of thing, yes? Space stations, space, ground, interiors. I say that I make rocks and crates. That's pretty much it. Thanks. So uh, my question for both of you. So as somebody who is not a gamer and not particularly familiar with Star Trek Online, um, give us the nutshell, kind of the elevator pitch. So why would Star Trek fans want to experience Star Trek Online? Um, I'll, uh, I'll take that one first, I guess. Uh, really, the, the cool thing about Star Trek Online is you get to make your own crew and your own captain, excuse me, to explore the Star Trek universe. <laughs> so um, uh, in Star Trek Online, unlike some other Star Trek games, uh, you don't play Kirk or Picard or whatever. You play uh, a character that you make up. So you can play John, John Champion in Starfleet. And, uh, and you can choose who your bridge officers are, and you can choose what ship you fly. So it's a lot of freedom uh, to explore the Star Trek universe. And um, the other important part of, of the game is that it takes place in the prime Star Trek timeline about 30 years after Nemesis. So you uh, see what happens after Voyager and after Romulus is destroyed. Um, and so if you're interested in, in that story, we tell it, and we have a, a lot of story to, to tell. And it's really freeing because we uh, can draw from all of the history of Star Trek because we're after all of the canonical stuff. We can draw from any of it and we do a lot of temporal shenanigans to move you back in time and go back to TOS or previous eras um, and bring other people forward to interact with you too. You know, I, if I could interject for just a second, I'd love to give an excellent example of how they do this. Um, like one example of a story. Uh, no. Oh man! <laughs> but it, it, because it's interesting, just last night I was watching Relics and Schisms, which go which play back and you know back, uh, back to back, and Star Trek Online has taken those stories and woven this incredible seven year arc. I mean, seven seven years over the course of seven years of the game being in publication, but in canon story, it's one year. Um, in the Star Trek Online canon, it's one year, but. Star Trek Online takes up some of your favorite episodes and then expands on it even more, right? It's, it's kind of like reading your favorite book and then seeing, seeing the film adaptation. And it just doesn't. There are so many book. loose threads in Star Trek, like so many one-off episodes and things that, you know, you watch and you think like, man, whatever happened to that? I really want to see more of where, where that led or what happened to that character or whatever. And that's all the stuff that we love doing too. So we, we pull all that out of uh, canon and, and the shows and the movies and all of that and try to expand it into new stories. Uh, by the way, just a couple of very important comments here. First of all, Carlos uh, jumped in on the chat and wanted, wanted to make sure that he chimed in with the schisms. So uh, thank you, Carlos, for doing that. Uh, Thomas, another important point. You said that I could come in and play John Champion of Starfleet. Could everybody come in and play as John Champion of Star? <laughs> Absolutely, uh, you can you can name your character whatever you want within reason. Like I think we don't let you name yourself Kirk, you know, okay. James Kirk or whatever. But uh, um, and then you can choose what your character looks like, uh, kind of how big they are, the color of their skin, if they have facial hair or not. So yeah, there's a. I mean, Cryptic has one of the things we've been known for is how. Uh, much freedom we give you in, in customizing your character, and uh, and Star Trek Online is no exception. Cool, David. Hey, I, I love the fact that you can do that, but the problem is the very first time I played Star Trek Online, I think I had allotted myself maybe two hours, and I played for I want to say forty five minutes because I did spend a lot of time on yeah. my avatar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There is a there is a um, loving term that is used around the gaming community that Star Trek Online can be space Barbie. <laughs> yes actually i have a shirt that says space barbie because because that's uh that's what we call the the true end game of sto and it's not just human it's not just i don't know if this was 
touched on already, but it's not just a human race that you can play as. You can play as, for instance, a liberated Borg or uh, uh, now a, a Talaxian, right? Can you play Talaxian yeah, now? Right? Yeah. Or yeah. Now, various other things too nice. okay well, wait hold on hold on I, there are a couple of things i want to do really quickly first yeah. i want to remind people that if they have questions of of, of thomas or nick or elijah uh please go ahead and get in touch with us you can tap on the uh, one tap form from your smartphone uh, you can call us 669-900-6833 that number again 669-900-6833 uh, or just click the link that you should see above or below uh, this video if you happen to be watching this video as it's happening, don't try to call in after the video, though, because, no. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's just silliness. But along the lines of you say you can play as different alien races, I actually had a question about the factions, because um, I know you can play as Klingons, and I, I cannot remember off the top of my head what the other factions are, but what's interesting to me is I always kind of think of, I know I shouldn't, and we talked a lot about this in Discovery, but the Klingons tend to be the bad guys in a lot of Star Trek are the factions like, well, I want to be sort of a heavy, so I'm going to go Klingon or I'm going to go, you know, some other faction. Not at all. Do you see them as good guy, bad guy, or is it, I'm more curious about this society. I'm going to go play and, and find out more about that. Um, Nick, you, you were going to, well, like gonna... it's not, sorry. Um, it's not at all bad guy, good guy. Uh, we have Klingon, uh, what we call the Klingon defense force the Federation, and the Romulan Republic. Uh, the Romulan Republic was only introduced, um, what, a few years ago, I guess. We made an expansion that uh, had the Romulans, who had been displaced from the um, explosion uh, from Hobus from the 2009 movies, so that, that destroyed the Romulan homeworld, so they had to find a new uh, Romulan homeworld. And so we made an expansion where you uh, start as a Romulan that is... Uh, on one of the colonies that uh, was around afterwards, and then you eventually find your new homeworld and help settle that and explore with uh, the rest of the Romulans. But there's no good guys, bad guys. It's just whichever faction you want to play. So uh, one of our listeners on the uh, Facebook chat asked, uh, this from Brett Dean, he said, hey guys, did the updated look of Star Trek Discovery affect any of the visual continuity that you guys created for the ship's slash look of STO? Um, it's, it's interesting that STO is uh, a place um, where you can go and you can be flying around in your galaxy class ship and then you look over there and there's somebody in there, you know, JJ, uh, um, Abrams, you know, Kelvin timeline constitution, um, or their, their TOS enterprise. And it all sort of just hangs together in the STO universe because we want people to be able to fly, live the fantasy of being in Star Trek, whichever version of Star Trek is that you like. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, the discovery stuff meshes pretty well with, um, our game art in general. We, um, we recently added the discovery of the Shenzhou and the sarcophagus, the Klingon sarcophagus ship to our game. Um, and the ship artists who worked on those, um, I'm not tuning my own horn because I didn't work on them, but the, the, the guys who worked on those did an amazing job. Um, you know, uh, we'll kind of see as things go along, like how, uh, how it, everything interacts, um, uh, we, we just like throwing it all in the big pot called Star Trek. And that's what, what STO is really good about. Um, to that point, I did want to mention another faction we have, which is the 23rd century Federation oh, yeah. faction, which, uh, if you play, if you start a character of that faction, then you actually start, um, not in the 25th century with the rest of the game, but back, uh, kind of right after, right at the end of the Enterprise's five-year mission in the 23rd century. And, you know, you have a original series uniform and you have uh, not the Enterprise, but another ship kind of styled like the original series Enterprise. And you go through and you do some missions and then things happen and you get pulled forward to the future, to the rest of the game. But, um, but as Nick said, you know, they're all, they all have their own little storylines, but it's not that the Klingons are bad. It's just that they have different priorities and interests. Um, Mostly fighting and kicking ass. Right. <laughs> Getting drunk. I, I like your, uh, I like your Kirkian pronunciation, by the way, of Klingon. And uh, we may come back to that in just a moment. Uh, our guests tonight are our guests on this edition, rather are Nick to good from uh, cryptic as well as uh, Thomas Maroney uh, cryptic, of course, uh, publishers of Star Trek online. And Elijah is with us from priority one, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. 
We will continue with them in just a moment. But first, uh, Mr. Champion, I believe we have a bit more business that we want to um, attend. Well, you know, we have a little bit of business. And what I usually do at this time of the show is I will, uh, I'll hold up this beautiful <laughs> model of the Shenzhou. Okay, really, yes. nice. we're talking about the Eagle Moss Discovery Starships um, from eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. But, but tonight, I get to do this. Tonight, I get to hold up this little bad boy. Oh, yeah. It's the Crossfield yeah. class ship of my dreams. It's the USS Discovery herself, NCC 1031. There she is. And yes, this is a long ship. This is a good eight inches or more uh, from stem to stern. So really nice looking. Of course, what we're talking about here is the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection. Uh, yes, the first season of Discovery is over, but your time with all these fantastic ships can just be beginning. Uh, Eagle Moss wants to get you, or wants you to get, rather, a Discovery of your own, as well as a slew of ships from the latest Star Trek series, all part of the Eagle Moss Discovery Starships collection. So on the Federation side, you've got ships like the Shenzhou, hey, and the Discovery, Hey, and the Corella and the Jaeger and the Europa. Then flying in from Klingon space, you've got ships like the reimagined Klingon Bird of Prey and the Koch-class destroyer. Now, what you'll see when you go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships are renderings that serve as the basis for the diecast models themselves, painstakingly reproduced as always under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. Uh, these are officially authorized by CBS Studios. As John said, they're between 8 to 10 inches long, depending on which ship we're talking about. They're hand-painted. They're rich in detail. Each comes with the awesome magazine full of real-world and in-universe information. And, of course, each comes with a really cool stand. Uh, are you going sh- to hold up the stand? Yeah, Mr. absolutely. Champion? Look at this, man. I, I got this guy right here on a Check stand. that out. That's the yeah, he can actually stand. He can hold up the ship without actually touching the ship. That's like some magic work there. Sure. And, uh, and every one of your ships, uh, I think with the exception of Deep Space Nine, comes with a stand. That's what I've heard from people, but what do I know? That's not part of the Discovery Starships anyway, though. No, no. So subscribers will get their very first ship, the Shenzhou NCC-1227, for only $9.95 with free shipping. Additional models, including the iconic USS Discovery NCC-1031, will then ship monthly for the special subscriber price of only $44.95 each. That's about 20% off the standard retail price, also with free shipping. Now, if you'd rather pick and choose rather than subscribe, that's fine. You can go to shop.eaglemoss.com where you can check your local comic shop. You're going to pay about 10 bucks more per ship when you do it that way, but saving money isn't the only reason to subscribe. Subscribers get free gifts worth over $100 during their subscription, and of course, should you change your mind, you can cancel your subscription at any time. So to subscribe... Go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. To buy individually, go to shop.eaglemoss.com. And a huge thanks to Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's show. If you have a question about Star Trek gaming, either for our guests or just want to reminisce, if you will, uh, please feel free to join us. Uh, there's the Zoom meeting link either above or below the video that you're watching right now. You can use the one tap from your smartphone, and you can call us, 669-900-6833, 669-900-6833, and uh, we would love to get your questions on the air. I'm curious, uh, guys, uh, forgive me, not uh, not to, we've heard your accidental start in Star Trek video gaming, Elijah. I'm curious for uh, for Thomas and for Nick. Uh, were you first computer guys or first Star Trek guys? Um, for me, it was actually really, I, I couldn't, I don't know if I could peel apart one from the other. I kind of got into both at the same time. My parents watched Star Trek and I watched Star Trek with them when I was young. And my dad was pretty interested in computers back when, you know, the uh, 486 costs, you know, $5,000 or whatever. <laughs> so, um uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as I could find a Star Trek-like game, I think one of my first Star Trek-like games was called EGA Trek, and it was unlicensed, um, and it was just you had a little ship that you would, there was like a grid that you flew around, and you could destroy uh, Mongol. I think they called them Mongol spaceships, but they were clearly, you know, Klingon D7s. 
Um, and it just kind of, from there, you know, um, played a lot of the classics like Starfleet Command, Star Trek 20th Anniversary, Star Trek Armada, Bridge Commander. Um, I was even, I actually learned how to use Photoshop and a lot of graphic design tools because I took a non-Star Trek video game and, and worked with a team of people to turn it into a Star Trek video game. So, um, yeah, I, uh, they've always been kind of intertwined in my mind. Hey, uh, we're lucky to have a caller who wants to join us. Uh, I believe it's uh, uh, somebody who's called in before. Trekmate, are you yes. there? That's me. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I am so, I feel so so foolish because it took me a long time to get on because I can't remember how to get to the place. But now I bookmark it so I can get on here. Good. And Good. I wanted to say two things because I know you were talking about games and one of the one of the games I've had uh, when I was bathed in sweat was Klingon Honor, Honor Guard. And um, the physics of trying to get from one part of a space station to another part. And I mean, it was just amazingly hard for me, but it was amazingly great at the very end. Uh, so that was a great uh, Star Trek game. And now, wait, tell us about that one. Uh, Klingon Honor Guard, uh, that's not one that I'm familiar with. I uh, don't know if anybody else from our panel tonight uh, knows that. Was that a console game? or? A- it was, well, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a console game. I, I played it on my Mac okay. uh, before I, I went into consoles. So, uh, and it was, I mean, it was just, it was great. I mean, it had all the, all, all the, all the bad guys was there, and, and, um, and you could also play, you know, you could, you could, you could make characters, you know, uh, you could put, you know, rename characters and, and, and have the gore between them and all that kind of stuff. And it was just a lot of fun. Um, so that's, that's why I don't want to say about the games. Um, I just wanted to say one other thing about the, the beginning of D, uh, DS9. Um, I think it was mentioned that you mentioned that it was the rifleman in space and the rifleman is one of my favorite. I still watch it on Saturday <laughs> every once in a while. You know, he never breaks a sweat. He never seems to do any, any farming, but my God, he's a rancher somewhere. And I always thought it was good for a remake. And I go, yeah, I guess, I guess DH9, uh, Deep Space Nine was the remake there. And the idea of having a person of color with his son going through the grieving of losing his mate and then having to deal with a lot of different other, other uh, people and, uh, people and, uh, and, and issues it was, I, I saw, when I saw it, when it first came on, I saw a few episodes. I didn't, didn't watch it after the first season, but then I watched it all the way through a couple of years ago. And I said, this is really good. And it's probably the best. Um, it's probably the best so far. So that was just my comment. You know, it, it's interesting. I, uh, what you're mentioning, uh, I think we're going to get a little more into that in this week's coming episode, uh, because the, there were things we didn't get to in our uh, discussion about Emissary. But now that you mention it, I feel like um, it's almost like Cisco starts off where we pick up with Picard in season four. Uh, we, we get to visit Picard's trauma and everything that he's going through, but we start that way with Cisco, and it's a really bold way to... Uh, Really bold way to, to start a show. Yeah, and Trek hardly ever talks about the fallout of the decisions made where somebody dies. Um, and they have to, usually it's, you know, a couple of seconds at the end of an episode, maybe in TOS or something like this. But this is something that you actually see, well, you know what? It's dangerous to be in space. You can <laughs> right. die. You know, it's um, it's interesting when when we talk about stories like these that that have affected, you know, that, that have have had impacts on our lives or, or or have addressed things in such ways, because Star Trek Online, for instance, allows any player to go in and and create their own mission, right? If there's an episode from Deep Space Nine that you enjoyed and it's not part of the storyline, you can go right in and create your own mission. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Thomas Nick, the, the, the creator, the actual mission creator is, is not so far removed from what even you, you the tools that you guys have access to when creating, when creating missions. It's similar. Uh, right. Yeah. A little more user friendly. To, to our actual tools, but, uh, dis- or different enough, uh, just to make it a little bit easier to use and a little bit less, I mean, it's a little less robust, but it's also a little bit uh, more friendly, even as unfriendly as it is. Uh, but yeah, it's great. We love the Foundry. We love seeing what people create. We try to update it regularly with whatever new uh, sets and props and objects and stuff we make. 
uh, so that all of that stuff is available for Foundry authors to use. And then I, I also think about other ga- a, a new game that was actually released re- recently within the last year or so, uh, Star Trek Adventures, the the, the actual uh, tabletop R- R- RPG, which Cryptic Studios has been doing uh, live streams of uh, of the devs playing. Um, I have I've ne- it's I've never been able to do a, a, an RPG. Most of the time, it's it the RPGs that I'm invited to are are fantasy driven, um, and I'm not much into the fantasy genre, but I am desperate to get a group of people together to play star trek adventures because you really do create your own adventures and it's hours of fun or campaigns that you have to pick up you know the next uh, the next friday that you know you and your friends all get together to play um i mean it's 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 dnd for star trek right like that's really what it is these campaigns are just kind of insane and they let you tell the story and you can become the characters and and it's just amazing. I can go on and about. I'm just excited. We should go play it at Star Trek Las Vegas if, you, if we all get to go. I got to say, the, the one thing that worries me about Star Trek Adventures, and I'm not, I mean, I haven't had a chance to play it yet. I've got it. I've read through it quite a bit, but not unlike you, Elijah, I don't have anybody around to play it with. So I just kind of flip through the book every now and then. I know it's kind of sad. You know, here's the thing that we're actually doing a show online. We could probably play a game online just random thought (laughs) yeah one thing that worries me is before star trek adventures came out every now and then in like a game shop or something like that i would come across something that was oh this used to be a star trek game and it's not a star trek game anymore Hmm. because you know for whatever reason i mean maybe the contract ran out maybe enough people didn't get behind it i don't know what it was like i know i found a couple of adventures from some tng game that i had never heard of before and then there was some other game in the 70s, kind of like probably like what Thomas was talking about with the unlicensed computer game um, that I'm pretty sure was not exactly a Star Trek game, but it was, but it wasn't. So I'm really um, hoping I, that Star Trek Adventures sticks around. I'm hoping it survives whatever, you know, rough patch it has to survive to get going. Kind of like, um, kind of like, I hope it makes it to season three there, <laughs> to say it in Star Trek terms. So, uh, uh, I would say, Trekmate, uh, I don't know if you have any parting words for us here, uh, uh, but I, I certainly hope you call back in. A- any other thoughts before we... Uh, um, I love the games, and, uh, you know, if it's good, if it's good fiction and uh, it engages you and it gives you a little bit of ability to, to create your own world, that's what, that, that's what I like, and I think that is what everybody likes. It has ruined me for action movies, because I'm going, you know, they should put a guy up there, and that was, this gun they should be using over there. <laughs> but um, but um, I, I appreciate it, and, and, and good luck, you handsome bearded devils, you. <laughs> and get Rob to work on that beard because he needs it. So. This is why we have you on. This is exactly why I have you on. Thank you. All right, so yeah, uh, back to you, Thomas. Uh, yeah, so I think the, the game that... Uh, Kim was talking about was um, um, Starfleet Battles, um, which was made by uh, Amarillo Design Bureau. And what's funny about them is it is actually a Star Trek game, and it's a fully licensed Star Trek game. When they got the license in the 70s, they got it. uh, Paramount didn't think the Star Trek property would be worth anything. So um, they got the license to everything from the original series, and then, of course, only things from the original series. So they have kind of expanded. It's like an offshoot of the Star Trek canon that has nothing to do right. with TNT or, or whatever. Um, I did want to mention a plug, uh, a show called Shield of Tomorrow, yeah. which is a uh, geek and sundry show that um, where uh, people play Star Trek adventures, kind of like Critical Role, if you've heard of that. Um, it's a great show. It's been really popular, and I think it's helped the popularity of Star Trek Adventures. So I'm pretty bullish that Star Trek Adventures is going to last for a while. They've already released a couple supplement rule books and things like that. Uh, we have some comments from listeners that I want to run by you. Uh, let's see here. Lysander says, thank you for this opportunity. Will you be expanding the STO Klingon faction like Federation, or will you be opening up the Cardassian soon? Um, the, the only thing I can say to that is, uh, is, uh, victory is life. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, David asked Thomas, I'd really like to see the Odyssey class on screen with full cinematic effects. Any chance perhaps make a little short movie? (laughs) Well, so, uh, just a second. All right. Um, <laughs> I thought you were about um, to pull an Odyssey out of somewhere. Yeah, yeah I did too. I was like, wow, this will be awesome. Oh, um, so, uh, 
Let's see. That would be amazing. Uh, our, the, the models we make for the game are designed to be displayed in real time, which means that they're obviously lower fidelity than models that you would see in a movie or on a TV show. Um, what's really amazing about our 3D printing initiative that just launched la- last week is that the uh, vendor that we partner with will actually take the model from the game, take extra detail that's found in the textures of the model, and then um, kind of extrude that detail into the model. And so what you have there is a basically a high, what we call a high-res or high-poly version of the ship. Um, so it's almost like a movie-quality version of the model. If you end up uh, ordering a 3D print of your Starship in Star Trek Online, you'll actually get a much more detailed version of the ship than the one that you have in-game. In but it's in physical form, that you can hold yeah. in your hands and move around and go whoosh. Right, <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm going to do when I get mine. So um, priority one uh, not, does not get paid um, for, for covering for, for covering yeah for covering Star Trek Online or any of its news. Um, but I will say this about those printed chips: um, when when Mission New York came through um, two years ago, they had worked with another company that had and they had the models there. Now those models were impressive. Um, the difference was that the coloring and the, 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 the colors of your ship were, were 3D printed along with it. These models, are you can get one that's hand-painted. They look so much better, so much better. Just through the, just through the pictures, I can tell how awesome it is. Um, and I am saving up some money to purchase them. <laughs> I want to remind people who are, who are listening in who maybe have a couple of questions before we run out of time. Uh, you can click the Zoom link either above or below this video. You can, uh, of course, hit the one tap from your smartphone, and you can call us on the phone phone. Uh, 669-900-6833, 669-900-6833. I have a question. Um, so on Mission Log, we, we do what we refer to as the three M's, the messages, morals, and meanings, going back and, you know, watching an old episode and seeing whether those things actually uh, stand up today. I'm curious, when you're uh, sort of uh, fashioning uh, an adventure, are you... Uh, is it, is it spaceships and explosions and shoot them up? Is it uh, taking into account some of these sort of higher ideas or ideals in Star Trek? Or is it different from, I mean, not unlike Star Trek, where it was different from one episode to the next. Is it different from one arc to the next? Uh, it's very much, it, that's all handled by the art designers rather than uh, Thomas and I are both artists. Yeah. Um, they definitely, we have a writer on staff named Paul, and he definitely, uh, considers all of that while he's making things. Uh, and so he writes the actual text for the mission. The designers will often fill in blanks or do a rough pass. And then Paul will come in and polish it all up and make it feel like it's actually Star Trek. Yeah. And we do have, I mean, being a massively multiplayer game, um, where the main core component of gameplay is combat. We have a lot of spaceships and explosions and things, but we also have episodes and characters that are meant to be allegorical. We had a, a recent episode where you go to a planet where um, all the resources on the planet had been used up and, uh, you know, dealing with the consequences of that. Um, so, you know, that, uh, that kind of thing does happen in Star Trek Online. It's maybe not, uh, we don't, we don't really probably get to do it as deeply as the shows do, but I'm, I'm pretty proud of, of uh, our stories and, and the, the places you get to go and the people you get to interact with and, and the meetings that you can pull from them. You know, as a player, because um, I'm not privy, right? I, just because we cover the game does, you know, doesn't mean I, I show up at Cryptic Studios and have my you know, eyes over their shoulder watching what they're doing. But over the years, talking with them um, and various developers – one thing is clear. They know their Trek. Um, they, you know, Thomas is a veritable encyclopedia of Star Trek, um, a- along with many other developers that work there and people who have a passion, not just for game design, but for Star Trek. People who know some of the most nuanced <laughs> pieces of, of episodic content that you may have watched. So when you're, as a, as a player, when I'm playing the game, um, the game doesn't necessarily hit you over the head with the three M's, right? Because it, it's geared towards a, a, a huge audience. Um, but 
it's there and you're you are in fact the captain of your ship and you are in the star trek universe um more uh, some missions go ahead, go ahead well just to jump in on the uh the depth of knowledge of star trek on the team we all have our specialties too um you know thomas can point out the things that are wrong with any you know fan built uh ship out there because he'll he'll know exactly which little windows are in the wrong place or that little thing is in the wrong place um i'm i do grounds and so i do interiors and things we did the uh rebuilt the entire tng galaxy class interior recently and you know you get to know those sets like the back of your hand but that's not something that a designer would necessarily know or our ui artist would know right every everybody has their special little areas of knowledge within Star Trek canon. And we all try to bring that in and, uh, you know, make it as apparent in our final product. And since all of that is coming from different directions, it all kind of adds up to this one giant feeling of track. Well, I'd like to uh, kind of circle that around to a conversation that uh, I was very lucky to have with, with you guys in real life, not that long ago. (laughs) I'm curious about, how you feel like you can kind of push the envelope a bit um, it, in expanding that universe in the online game. How far do you feel like you can go before uh, maybe some of your players aren't too happy with that? Uh, uh, Thomas, you were mentioning something about uh, uniforms. Like there's a lot of latitude there with uniforms, but then you might go so far as to pop in an Easter egg and then, people lose their minds. <laughs> so. <Right. laughs> um, so uh, the way that I personally look at Star Trek online is it's a theme park, right? And I'm going to go, I want to go to TOS land or I want to go to Voyager land or I want to go to TNG land. And so we have things in the game for you. If your favorite Star Trek is the original series, we have a whole faction just for you. Right. And uh, if you want um, Voyager, you can go to the Delta Quadrant and find out what happened after Janeway left. Um, uh, so it, in that way, um, we sort of sacrifice a bit on, uh, as Elijah would say, my immersion. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he says it just like that. <laughs> I do, actually. I do. I, I know. <laughs> I watch Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Um, <laughs> Thank you for the but, plug. Right. But I, um, but you know, it's, it's all in service of that feeling of like, this is, we know that people, they love their Star Trek and they love whatever version of Star Trek that they love. And so we want to service all of those things. Um, certainly there are other games that are much more focused on one specific era, uh, one specific part of the continuity. And those games are awesome and they're doing their thing and we're doing our thing. And, and the idea is that, you know, we, we, we were a Star Trek game, we're a Star Trek video game. So sometimes we're a Star Trek video game and sometimes we're a Star Trek video game, uh, <laughs> if, if that makes sense, right? So we have things in the game that are a little weird and pushing the envelope that you probably would never have seen on the Star Trek show. But some people who play the game want to have a cool, like, um, you know, sweet jet black armor that has green glowy bits on it. And so we've got that kind of stuff too. And it's a balancing act and sometimes... Uh, we do something kind of crazy and people are like, that's amazing. And sometimes we do something kind of crazy and people are like, what were you thinking? Uh, you know, just, we should, we should also mention like uh, for people and their immersion, my, my voice is bad enough as it is. I'm not going to try to do it the way Elijah does. Um, but you guys have actually, you guys have pulled in a bit of star power from some of the games as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, We've got a lot of the uh, cast over the years now come in and do voice work for us. Uh, we'll put their characters in game uh, and we'll tie them in in some man- manner that makes sense. You know, So uh, we have time travel missions where you go back and interact with uh, some of the TOS people and we have uh, some uh, of the Voyager people who are just still around because it hasn't been all that long since their era, right? Um, and I don't even know what the count is for how many voice actors we've had, but man, there are a lot of them and it's so much fun. Every time we get somebody new signed, everybody's excited at work. Um, when they're recording, usually they record off site, but we'll all go gather around the audio guys with our ears to the door, listening to what they're doing. It's very exciting. It was, I've got this idea for, um, you're in a galaxy class ship 
and you keep going further and further and further down to the decks and you get to this room where it's a couple of guys peeling potatoes oh. <laughs> and um and you need a couple of voice actors for that who have great professional voices and yeah yeah. Top notch. <laughs> Top notch. Mm-hmm. Well, if you guys are sack, maybe we can maybe we can make it happen. We we. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about in all serious. You could make that mission in the foundry right now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Watch. Oh, that sounds. Yeah, the the potato peeling mission sounds absolutely awesome. <laughs> uh, forgive me. I, I know you said there have been a lot of people. Can you just? I mean, just for people who haven't played the game, can you just name a few of the a, a few of the. Familiar uh, voices they might bump into. People that are coming up that we haven't announced. So let's go back to Voyager. We had Seven of Nine. We had Jerry Ryan. We had Garrett Wong. Uh, we had Tuvok. We had um, Neelix. We had the Doctor. Who else, Thomas? Uh, Seven of Nine, Tuvok, Neelix, Doctor. Um, uh, we had. Um, we actually got uh, Walter Koenig to come in and play Chekhov. That's right. Um, we got um, Chris Duhan to come in and play Scotty, so he got to, you know, yeah. voice his father. That was actually really, really cool. We had um, Michael Dorn back from TNG. Uh, we've had Lavar Burton pretty recently, right? Uh, Lavar Burton, uh, Denise Crosby played both Sila and Tasha Yar. <laughs> yeah, um, and um, we had. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Vic. I don't really know how to pronounce your last name. Uh, Vic oh, from Sun- Vic Mignona. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Both Vic and, um, and Michelle. Michelle from Star Trek Continues um, uh, came in to do uh, some TOS characters for us. We've um, had Kipley Brown do a bunch of stuff. We've had a whole kind of arc that revolves around the Lucari and uh, meeting her character and her guiding around you, guiding around her character as she explores the, the universe for the first time. Right. And I should say that Vic, uh, they're both professional actors and we didn't necessarily hire them because their work in Star Trek continues and their roles in the game have nothing to do with Star Trek continues. I just yeah. want to make that clear. Yep. Uh, Nick, regarding the, uh, the buildup of the galaxy class starship, Brett Dean in the online chat says the dolphin room. Exclamation <laughs> points. The patient yeah. ops. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I actually, I, the, one of the artists who work on that, Nick, I don't know if it was you or Donnie. You I made them put a sticker to one of the doors for cetacean ops. Um, <laughs> So you can actually go to the door to it. You can't go inside to see it. But you can- when we were working on it, Thomas came over to my desk and tried to bribe me to put it in as if yeah. I needed bribery to put <laughs> in. Unfortunately, we just didn't have time to pull it off. But Donnie then later added the, the door label, at least. So that can you tell us precisely where the room full of puppies is? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I believe that's deck 14 section. Okay. <laughs> I have a theory that those were holographic puppies because, I mean, is there, is there like a, like a, is there like a breeding, you know, like a dog breeder on the Enterprise that's just going to keep making puppy technology? Man, yeah, yes, Thomas. Cycle. Yes, there is a dog breeder on the Enterprise. I think that has been pretty well established, and there are replicator puppies, and there are holodeck puppies. There's all of the above. The place is lousy with puppies. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> but it's funny when you talk about the dog room because we in order to build those interiors as faithfully as we can we watch a lot of star trek but we don't i mean i've seen all the episodes a million times but you have to re-watch things in a very specific manner to pick up on details of which rooms are which and what's things so that room was was the puppy room and the schoolhouse and the uh, that was Troy's like counseling session room. It was kind of a catch-all room that, that was directly across the hall from the transporter uh, in the in limited setup that they had. Uh, in our last minute here, somebody posed a question online saying, uh, how do I get started? Um, so just in, in a minute, how would somebody get started? Um, go to StarTrekOnline.com uh, or... Um, or Steam, if you play PC games, um, Star Trek Online is for your PC. It's also on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. You could uh, go to the PlayStation Store or the Xbox Store and download it for free there. Uh, it's free to play, um, and all you can experience all the missions in the game for free. So it's, uh, Once it's downloaded, you make an account, and, I mean, depending on how long you do Space Barbie, you know, you'll be in and playing <laughs> 30 minutes to five hours. 
<laughs> and and I'd like to add a little bit to that because, and it's it, it will be a shameless plug. Um, <laughs> Star, Star Trek Star Trek Online is by design a massively multiplayer online role playing game. That means that you are in a world with everybody with 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 players from around the world. Um, one of the one of the nice things about it is that it allows you to. To, 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 to be a part of a community. Um, I have said on the show before that, you know, one of the things that, that, that you walk away from going to a convention from is missing that, that, that community, mm-hmm. whether it's a local convention or Star Trek Las Vegas, you miss that. You miss being around people who love Star Trek as much as you do. Um, and Star Trek online really gives you the opportunity of meeting people. Um, so, if you are interested in joining a, a fleet and you know getting familiar and talking to people who are familiar with the game to help you, visit uh, PriorityOnePodcast.com. We have a little uh, link to our fleet armada. You can join ours or any other armada for that matter. Yeah, I will. I will second that. Join a fleet, not necessarily Priority One, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. There are many fleets, and we cannot officially endorse uh, in in getting you started in the game. Okay. Well, I, I, I hate to do this because I'm having a great time, but we are unfortunately right up against the, uh, the end of the show. Uh, Nick to good and Thomas Maroney from cryptic. Thank you both very much for being here with us tonight. Uh, Elijah, you. of course, from priority one, a Roddenberry star Trek podcast. Um, we have really enjoyed talking about this tonight as sort of a one-off and we may come back to it again at some point. Priority One does talk about this kind of thing all the time, so do be sure to check them out either at PriorityOnePodcast.com or at Podcasts.Roddenberry.com. Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry, technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks, producing producer, excuse me, Brandon Bradley. Uh, be sure to visit, as I said, podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network. And we would again like to thank Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships Collection for sponsoring this week's show. Check them out, eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. podcast.roddenberry.com, the Roddenberry Podcast Network.